0: we talk about potty town. Yeah, you heard me, potty town. What is it about, you ask? So glad, let us <laughs> tell you. So
1: this one is lovely, it's an hour and 10 minutes, so it's a quick watch. Um, the director is a lady named Morgan Elliott. She's got a lot of credits, but I didn't see anything that we have done previously. But I did wanna check because this story takes place in Potsdam, New York. right? Which we have virtually visited once before the case of uh, the death of Garrett Phillips. Mm -hmm. That's not mentioned in here.
0: I was kind of wondering if it would be. It's it's not. Right. Well, we do know from that documentary that the fastest known person alive ever lives there. So I'm surprised that wasn't brought up at some point. Yeah.
1: They seem to be very concerned about what their town gets attention for. And so far it's been (laughs) two negative things as far as I could tell.
0: So. (laughs) Yeah. Never heard of this town other than these two documentaries.
1: So there's 15,000 people that live in this town. I found it very interesting because from the last documentary, from the Garrett Phillips episode, we learned that this town is one street long and there's nothing but right-hand turns because don't you be making a left-hand turn there. That's how you get indicted for murder. Yep. So it was nice to see that there was a little bit more going on here than just one street. (laughs) Previously mentioned.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One city block. Yeah. I don't know. It's, some um, it's, I almost want to take a trip up there at some point in time just to be like, okay, now I've been here. I survived. I may or may not see the toilets and then I'll go home. But that's a really long way to go. Cause it's really far up North. It
1: is. And again, I think this sort of reinforces my opinion of what it was in the first one, which is like, they are really, what is the word I'm looking for? pretentious uptight I don't know there's a Mm -hmm. lot of that going on here like we are all about how stuff looks (laughs) like we we don't give a shit about any substance in this place it's so funny to me
0: it is funny and it's interesting to me that when it comes to these toilet gardens which is what this documentary is about is gentlemen who put up toilet gardens and we'll get into that when it comes to it you have almost a 50-50 break about people who really don't mind it, think it's awesome, whatever, and others who are like, this is the absolute most embarrassing thing ever. It's disgusting, blah, whatever. And I'm just like, that's a really extreme viewpoint because at one point, one of the people said, if I wouldn't get in trouble, I would take a sledgehammer to every single one of them. Like he was getting angry just talking about it. And I was like, dude, calm down. Right. It's not that big of a deal.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Right. I think there's something like, I mean, there's something like this that happens in every town. This centers around a gentleman named Hank Robart. His official name is something different, but he goes by Hank. And I'm like, of course.
0: Right. His name is Fred. So it's not like it's even Henry <laughs> or something related to Hank. And he tells a story about how he got the name. And I'm like, no, no, that doesn't fly. Right. <laughs>
1: he's pretty old. He's around 80 at the time that this is filmed. And everybody knows about the toilet gardens, but nobody knows who he is or, or very few. There's a lot of on the street interviews, let's say it that way. So everybody knows what the toilet gardens are. And everybody, almost everybody has an opinion. There's one guy that's like, I need to meet this man first. And I was like, kudos to you, sir, for not judging a book by its cover. Like he's, he wants a little bit more information. And I hope that's just the way he rolls, not because of the cameras. Right. Anyway, and everybody else is, like you said, very much uh, in one camp or the other. But very few people seem to actually know this man at all. It just cracks me up.
0: There are a lot, a lot of on-the-street interviews for this when you say that. To me, and I'll say this up front, I felt like this documentary, it was okay. <laughs> could have been done in about half the time. And a lot of that seemed like filler. Maybe a 45 minutes would have been... We could have gotten everything in, including the interviews mm-hmm. on the streets. It just, I don't know. That's just my opinion. But either way, I watched it twice now. So <laughs> You're
1: intimately familiar for something. with all of it.
0: <laughs> right? That's right. I think it's funny because the ones who are okay with it seem to be like, oh, let it be. It's his property. Let him do what he wants on mm-hmm. his property. And listen, as someone who absolutely hates the HOA, fucking hate them, I get it. I get it. Let him be. He's not harming anybody. Let it be. Others, and particularly one woman who is only named as a local artist, is very adamant that this is the most horrible, disgusting thing she's ever seen in her life. She's like, as much as he is a jerk, you have to feel sorry for him. He embarrasses himself and doesn't even realize it. Well, thank God you're here to tell him and let him know, ma'am. I mean...
1: (laughs) Yeah. Local artist. (laughs) Number one is not a fan. No. Do you think that's because he's ends up being a more famous artist than she is? That's that's the only take I have. Probably. On that. I'm like, oh, somebody <laughs> is salty. <saute."
0: laughs> she is because they're talking about this as art and she's like, bitch, I do real art. I sculpt or whatever she fucking does. And it's not that I don't enjoy real art. She just clearly uh she's one of those people that it's like it's not real art unless someone says it's real art, but As we'll find out, people have called this art. Therefore, it is, in fact, art. So
1: we get a lot of on-the-street interviews early. And then you meet Hank, Fred Hank, (laughs) who, by God, is wearing his own T-shirt. And another theme on this (laughs) show, besides all the Potsdam New York documentaries,
0: is fucking people wearing
1: their own brand. Stop it.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Fucking advertise it. Do it. Do it.
1: And it's the same (laughs) shirt the whole documentary, so I assume it was just shot in one day.
0: Yes, yes. Same outfit. But he's older. I mean, he can't be bothered with a whole lot of clothes, I'm guessing. (laughs) He just has a couple outfits. That money he has goes towards those tiny little dogs that he has. Those look like a lot of upkeep, those dogs.
1: They do, and I I do appreciate somebody with a menagerie of dogs. (laughs) This guy is something else, so I just love people who wear their own shirts. This being said from someone who's dying to wear my own shirt. Let's just be honest. Yes. Yes. Can't wait to be (laughs) in this camp. I'm just jelly about it now. Yes,
0: Someday I'm going to wear a shirt that just says, I think you meant. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Was this for other Aaron? (laughs) So when we finally do talk to Hank, he seems to feel completely supported. Like he is not paying attention to those naysayers.
0: Even the ones that drive by during interviews calling them a scumbag. <laughs> that He's just like, they don't even exist. What was that? Huh? <laughs> Mm-mm. Didn't hear that.
1: <laughs> there are lots of impressions from the town folk, as we kind of mentioned. Um, I also w- wrote down there are a lot of risk takers making left turns because there's a lot of footage just of shit going on in this town. And I'm like.
0: People just don't learn from their right. mistakes in the history. I'm saying.
1: There was a little interview of two old ladies in a car. And I was like, "This is our future. <laughs> this
0: is you and me, where
1: we get to ask a question, we completely miss what the intent was." And they're like, "Oh yeah, I totally use the local bathrooms." And it's like, "They we want to know about
0: the toilets in that guy's yard." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's so funny. I totally, I use them all the time. I use them all the time. And the other one of the cars, like, what you do? They're adorable. It was great. my favorite part. <laughs> I was just gonna say so. Hank does describe himself, right? He talks about his life a little bit. First of all, he got the name because when he was 13, he worked at a farm and he drank a lot of milk. And apparently his friends said they were going to put a crank on a cow so they could just continuously feed this cat milk. So they called it, what was it? I don't know. I have Hank the crank milk tank.
1: I assume it's some combination of those words because they all rhyme.
0: Yes. And so he started getting called Hank at that point and it just stuck. And again, no, that doesn't work for me. That's a horrible way to get a name. Sorry.
1: It's yeah. But I like to say it's different times, but I think it's still weird. He seems to be a a guy that has had a lot of experiences, a lot of entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial type experience. Right. So he sold papers.
0: Entrepreneurial evil. Evil. Yeah. (laughs) Entrepreneurial, (laughs) you said entrepreneur. You forgot a whole letter.
1: I think also that's been a theme on this podcast is the fact that I can't speak. (laughs) Anyways, Hank has sold papers at the ripe old age of nine. He was part. He worked at a flower shop at fourteen. He and his dad owned a gas station at some point. Then he ended up in the rental property business, and again, he's edging up on eighty when this is filmed. He's not hurting Mm -hmm. nobody. That's a big theme in this as
0: well. He's not. And I also like that he says the people in the village must live miserable lives. (laughs) Because, like, listen, if you can't see at least a little comedy in this, you must be fucking miserable.
1: Well, yeah, I I think he's got a point. Yeah. We meet a lovely person named Alex Jacobs Wilkie. She's a staff writer for the Watertown Times. She says that this whole story is just a goldmine for a local reporter because she gets to make all the puns. I wrote down Game of Thrones headline. (laughs) If nothing, if you're a pun lover like myself, that part was really fun because it was like, oh, they are having a really good time with us. As the story starts to get out there about the toilets, Hank becomes internet famous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we start to kind of get into why this to do is going on, because this has been a 15-year, I don't know, standoff between the two of these groups, right? Yes. So it's basically between the board that governs rezoning, perhaps is the right way to say that. So it's a local government issue with Hank, who is one of the few taxpayers in
0: this town. Oh, my God. This, this really, yeah, this got me too. So Robert Snow, who's also a journalist, I didn't get with with who, but I'm sure he's lovely. But he describes that the town like in the 70s was all bars and neon and like used car lots, right? And they wanted to get away from that. So they did an urban renewal project (laughs) to make the village look better, right? So they were going for like Victorian kind of feel, and it attracted a lot more residents, but it also attracted a lot of tax-free properties. So this is what got me. He said, the hospitals expanded. You have, as we mentioned before, a few colleges there. And the churches, which are all tax-free, 70% of the village, they kind of refer to it the village, like all capitals, the village, is tax-free property. Now, the church, I get, I don't agree with, but I get, colleges and hospitals are both for-profit systems. I mean... They are just oozing money, in theory, for-profit systems. Why are they tax-free? I understand giving someone a tax break or, okay, you won't pay tax on land for the first five years or something like that to try to incentivize people to come, but not forever. That's fucking bullshit. I did not know that. And I don't know if that's everywhere or if it's just here.
1: Yeah, they don't really get into the specifics of how they became tax-free, but again, that 70% is tax-free. So what you glean from that, I guess, is that
0: 30% are paying all the taxes. Yeah, they said it was essentially like a second mortgage every month to pay for taxes to live there. That's ridiculous. We meet Ted Prawl. Now, this gentleman is vehemently anti-toilet. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to art and decorative toilets, I'm sure he uses one on the regular. But... He's the chairman of the Village Planning Committee.
1: Yeah, this guy makes this really random statement about if you're a property owner, you're kind of rolling the dice on being able to profit off that real estate. Yes. Yeah. Isn't real estate one of the traditionally the highest? I mean, like, that's one of the best ways to make passive income or whatever. One of the
0: safest ways. Yeah. So at some point in time, Dunkin' Donuts was apparently interested in building on one of Hank's properties, and they would have paid him like $650,000 or something like that. The developer for Dunkin' Donuts went in to talk to Ted, since he's in the Village Planning Committee, and asked, you know, what are the odds of these parcels being rezoned? They need to be zoned B1, and they were currently zoned B2, which means that you could have like a home-based business or something like that, some small, and Ted essentially said, No, there's the odds are zero. It's never going to happen. They find out later, one, that Duncan was like, okay, fine. They went up the road, literally up the road, and got a property up there. There was no skin off their back. But we find out that there was a board member named Helen that happened to live on the property next to the one that would be developed for Dunkin' Donuts. And how horrible must you be to not want Dunkin' Donuts next to you? I mean it'd be glorious. You just walk right over and get a donut or coffee or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's really funny cuz Ted talks about, well, there like there were meetings and there was all of this uh community outcry and how against it they were and it would mess up the traffic flows and all this kind of stuff. But then when you look at the property, this is on a, it's a corner lot and mm-hmm. on the other three corners there're restaurants and stuff businesses, yes. Also, several people in this documentary, the board people declined to be interviewed, right? There was a lot of requests been like, hey, mm-hmm. talk to us about this. And they're all like, oh, I couldn't possibly, except for Ted, who doesn't come off well, but nonetheless.
0: he's <laughs> not horrible, but yes, no, he doesn't come off well. And you're right. When you find out that, well, he's like, this is the worst intersection ever. Is it? Is it really going to be that much different having the fourth corner with the business on it since the other three already have businesses? Right. It's really that last
1: 25% that's going to put us over the edge.
0: Yep. That's problematic.
1: Ted definitely cites that you can't rezone to increase property value. And that's sort of what he based his decision off of.
0: Why else would you rezone?
1: Well, I guess I'm like, that's what I'm trying to figure (laughs) out too. And then again, it doesn't hold water because they do rezone stuff all the time for other people.
0: Other people, yes.
1: For whatever reason, he has, this is Hank, has invoked their ire and they're just not a fan of his. So he's sort of dead in the water, even though he's tried several times to get this to go through.
0: Right. And the property they ended up building on, the Dunkin' Donuts, was actually a trailer park where people lived and were evicted to have this property built on. And they didn't get a say in it, I'm sure. They're probably like, oh, here's a small check. Get the hell out or your lease is done. I don't know how they did it, but these people did have to find a new place to live.
1: Again, I think that they have not made a good consistent case for themselves because their whole thing, this is the board. And Ted is like, he wasn't, you know, the, he doesn't have any grounds for any of his complaints. And it's just like, well, <laughs> methinks he does.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Cause they talk about, they talk about the Taco Bell property that was rezoned, but it happened to be a prominent member of the village, if you will, that was asking for it. Ted's excuse to that was, He was out of town that week, and they did it without him. He really had no say in it. I'm like, oh, that's that's a real good excuse. Hank also had an opportunity to sell another property to a drugstore. The board said no. The drugstore built directly across the street. Yeah. They only seem to enforce the rules for certain people.
1: Right. So they cite in this that there are several instances where the rules were changed or they were not enforced consistently the town crony that seems to be on the good side of the circle of trust is a guy named Sheehan. There are several instances of plans of his plans being approved in spite of county recommendations. So Ted says that his recommendations have been consistent, but the board, the board votes and approves Sheehan's plans time after time. Whereas our friend Mr. Robar is denied. So this isn't a one and done situation he tries and I think he is just repeatedly turned down and so he gets pissed. <laughs>
0: I, yeah, I get he does get pissed. You know Hank says I'm paying for I'm paying the taxes on the properties which we've just said are probably exorbitant. He said I'm going to get some use out of him. Okay. So what does he do, Aaron?
1: He does several things. He starts off he puts a cornfield in
0: I know. I like that because in the end, you can give the corn to people and people can eat and it's nice for everybody.
1: And he's got some scarecrows and just kind of makes it kitschies for what it looks like from the footage. Then he goes to like a bit of a sunflower patch, which, okay, also fine. Uh, A little bit more picturesque in my opinion.
0: That's what I was thinking. You're not really bothering anyone with sunflowers, but go ahead.
1: He does some things like paints his garage obnoxious colors, like very clashing and all that kind of stuff. So I think he's kind of figuring out what makes the board the most pissed off. Like he starts small. There's like, think of the cornfields as a mild protest. And then it kind of builds over time mm-hmm. until he starts with the toilets.
0: Yeah. And they say that Helen, that board member who he believes is the one who stopped the original Duncan Donuts going through, still lives two doors down. So he's really just trying to provoke her ire more than anyone else's.
1: I also want to mention that Ted says early on in this that we really shouldn't feel bad for Hank because he's made a ton of money. And I was like, that's not for you to decide, friend.
0: Well, yeah, his comment was more like he tries to portray himself as the underdog, as someone who's downtrodden and you're just keeping the man down when in reality he has done fairly well in life. He's not exactly living in poverty because they won't let him sell these properties, but that like you said, is beside the point that has nothing to do with it. It's not for this
1: guy to determine anything about that. Because like I said, this is really about what has been, what is the overall picture that's been painted here, right? It does seem from the way this story is told to us that it was been unfairly against him. I just think it's really funny. He's like, you guys shouldn't feel bad for him. He's doing okay. And I'm like, Izzy, he's got one shirt as far as I can tell.
0: At one point, there is a Walmart that's going to be built up, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people who are protesting it, and they don't want to build up because there's a very particular turtle that happens to live in the swamp that they're going to drain to build a Walmart, which is par for the course for Walmart. And so Hank decided to start adding turtles on his property, and I don't mean like really decorative. I mean a turtle sandbox that he painted and then other stuff to kind of make a point, right?
1: Yes. All of this is poorly done. (laughs) That's the best I got. Now, the squares that he painted on that garage, that was something to behold. His color choices were not pleasing to the eye. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> With his turtle protest, I think this is the point where he's hanging up a lot of underwear on like clotheslines mm-hmm. and stuff. And of course, that gets everybody talking because how dare you air your dirty laundry?
0: Literally. Literally. And they're like ladies undergarments. He's not putting up, you know, Fruit of the Looms up there or something. It's ladies lacy undergarments. Now, and then someone made a comment of where are we going to get our underwear if Walmart doesn't open? And Mm -hmm. I thought literally anywhere else. (laughs) What did you do before this? I don't know. Right. They weren't here before and you survived. I'm assuming people are wearing undergarments of some sort. Yes. You know what? It's so funny because that one reporter had said at some point in time that they want to maintain this idea of a quaint Victorian village. And that's why they won't let Hank do these things because he doesn't toe the line with maintaining that kind of Mm -hmm. look, right? The aesthetic. And I'm like, okay, KFC, Taco Bell, none of that is Victorian. Walmart is not Victorian. None of this, none of that town with the exception of a couple of houses looked fucking Victorian. So, well, I mean, it's
1: the almighty dollar. You make an excellent point because, again, what they're saying to you and what their actions are do not match up. And that's always a big Mm-mm. that's always a big clue in. Because Ted also talks about something about the people who support Hank, you know, see the little guy and all that kind of stuff. And then he makes, like, a couple Trump references. Like, these are the same people who support Trump. And I'm like, are they? Because <laughs> also the big
0: business people support Trump. I don't know. Well, I think he was he was thinking of individualism, which is a lot of supporters, I guess. They think about themselves and not what is going to happen to everybody else and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, sir, I also don't think you think of anyone but yourself.
1: Yeah, he's kind of throwing Hank under the bus for not thinking of the town in the long term. This is a mm-hmm. selfish move. And I was like, I don't really feel like it was because he just sort of got... He tried some other stuff. It wasn't like this just... He's in a snit.
0: So the town threatened code violations and stuff over the corn and the turtle and the undergarments, essentially assuming he would just go away. He did not. (laughs) No, he didn't. This is when he moved on to toilets. And it started small. He just put a couple toilets out. But then he started putting them everywhere. And I mean all of his properties. And I think at one point he said he had 60 properties. Oh, my. 60 or 16. 16. It's a lot either way. It sounds the same to me.
1: Let's describe what this is. So you have a toilet. He sets it outside. He fills part of it with dirt, like the tank and the seat. And then he plants flowers in it. At some points, he's putting fake flowers in them. And then he just like puts it under a tree, puts a line of them along the roadside, obviously still in Mm -hmm. his property. So this isn't something that you're going to be able to drive by and miss. Right. I definitely think it's an eye catcher. They are sometimes in good repair. There's, I mean, they're discarded toilets. So it's, I don't know. It is definitely something that I can see that property owners would not be a big fan of, right. It's bringing negative attention in my opinion. I don't know.
0: Yes. And I think initially they weren't kept up as well. Right. Yes. And they talk about that, but he would do like Christmas trees and Easter eggs and different things, which I think is awesome. Um, hilarious. Yeah. He does eventually start taking better care of them and we'll get into that mm-hmm. later, but I think initially you're right. Sometimes they'd be cracked. Sometimes they were just not very nice at all. It was more of a, more of a trashy toilet than a lovely toilet.
1: He has rental properties. I mean, a lot of these are rental properties. Mm-hmm. If you live there, you have toilets on your property, yep. <laughs> which I'm like, okay. He does get mostly good reviews from the renters because they do go and talk to the renters and ask, mm-hmm. you know, what was your relationship like? And they're mostly positive to say that he was a good landlord. There mm-hmm. are a few instances where they were like, eh, not so great. And I appreciate that they provided both viewpoints right, for him. But yeah, if you lived on his properties, you had to contend with us. <laughs> I'm like,
0: I'm out. Yeah, there better not be a no dog clause then. If you're going to put a toilet on my property, I can have a goddamn dog. Just saying. This is where local artist number one also says, (laughs) the ongoing pouting with the toilet started to become less humorous and looks like someone just wants attention. Mm. Who wants attention, ma'am? Who wants attention? I know. It's you. But yeah, I, I think that's really funny. That she is
1: just, it's like, I'm like, did they have a love affair? That's what I was thinking, too. Did he break (laughs)
0: up with her? (laughs) And she's like, how dare he? Right. I don't know.
1: At one point, he has an apartment building that is lost to arson. So one of the tenants in a fit of rage, of course, a woman, accidentally burns his apartment down after she set her boyfriend's shit on fire in the middle of the room. And I'm like, not not your best move, madam. Mm Mm-mm. And so the whole thing burns down. The city is pissed, and they make him tear it down to the tune of $35,000 because he has to get asbestos-certified crew to come in for the demolition. Mm -hmm. This, I think, kind of lines up with his viewpoint that they're all against him because he cites that there's another building in the middle of downtown that's burned out and looks shitty, and nothing's been done about that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He does paint the picture that he is being victimized here.
0: Right. I think that's around the time when the toilets escalated to and became more like it started as just a couple. And then the more, the more they keep doing shit like this or giving him tickets for stuff, he just puts more and more and more out. One of the properties was purchased by a group of local citizens because they wanted to clean it up. Well, he made money off it. Good for him, right? I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't mind if you bought all of his properties. Right, because there are a lot of people who really don't care for these displays.
1: In my opinion, this worked, I mean, to his favor.
0: Right. It's so funny because it's kind of like when someone is like, I'm going to burn my Nike shoes. Well, you already paid for them. (laughs) <laughs> You're not hurting anyone but yourself. Now you don't get a wear them, dumbass. So, in this instance, this is the same same thing. Take the toilet time. He's got the money from it. He's fine. They do have problems with vandalism at times. Mm-hmm. He has cameras on them, but sometimes they don't catch it, and they come out and break them. And that's when they start trying to get them on code violations. When they when they're broken and they can't be claimed as art or anything. He did go to court for one, and I think it got thrown out because the paperwork wasn't filed correctly. But they also mentioned the judge had to resign before it was the judgment was given because he was found to be doing coke in the bathroom or something. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, sounds great. Sounds mm-hmm.
1: great. Also, I thought it was funny that the code officer filed the paperwork incorrectly. So <laughs> mm-hmm. It just seems kind of. Mm -hmm. coincidental or ironic i'm not really sure like the detail oriented people don't get the details right
0: (laughs) just saying it happens it happens and he does say that every time there's a new you know administration or new code enforcers they start up all Mm -hmm. over again then he started to claim so once he started going to court for it he started to claim it was art now clearly this didn't start as art but if you claim it as art then you have different rights that's kind of when he started maintaining him better, taking care of him better, mm-hmm. making sure they were all the up and up. I'd be curious to know if that was his idea or one of his lawyer's ideas to say, listen, if you call it art, we can get away with it.
1: Yeah. It's very interesting to me to think of this. I mean, we very recently had a conversation about what is art. Mm-hmm. It's all about who's talking about it. And I find that very interesting. So... In 2020, the village kind of issues an ultimatum. You're going to have to remove these toilets or you're going to face further action, which I thought was hilarious because I was like, the action so far has been terrifying and done nothing.
0: Well, right. But they said the action at this point would be like they were going to remove it themselves. If he didn't remove them by this timeline, then they have the right to go onto all of his properties and remove the toilets.
1: Because they amended a law or added a law that included bathroom fixtures as junk items so Mm -hmm. they're kind of it kind of feels like the law isn't really well written so they're kind of coming after him specifically is what his viewpoint is there are some other people that were not cited it's interesting there's a hilarious part where David Akers is the CEO of the hospital there in town and he comes into (laughs) the board and he's talking about, we're not going to be able to hire the best doctors because of these toilets and and who's going to want to come work in this toilet city and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh my dude, just wait till you have no uh, bodily autonomy for your citizens and then we'll see what kind of fucking doctors you get in there. I don't feel bad for you.
0: Right, I was thinking the Ugh. same exact thing. Like we're having trouble recruiting doctors because they can't do their job. This is slightly different. Yeah, calm down.
1: Hank ends up getting in touch with a guy named John Crane, mm-hmm. and he talks about a case of an aerosol art display called Five Points. Points with a Z, so you know it's legit. And that's the precedent they're they're going to use. So there's a large building on Long Island. It's several stories and they had graffiti artists come in and paint it. And it was neat. It was Amazing. really cool looking. Yeah. So they had permission from the developer mm-hmm. to do this. It gets to the point where the developers like am done with it and they demolished the building, but the artists get a nice settlement because the art was destroyed. And it is, it's a really interesting case. So mm-hmm. that was Another really cool part, because I was like, oh, these artists, man, they are really something. So
0: Right, because I like how we said that they didn't have an opportunity to preserve the art. Right. And so they just tore it down, which is why they won. And you can't put a monetary value on it, so they kind of generically did, like, X amount of dollars per piece of art.
1: Right. And like I said, this is a multi-story building. Huge. I mean, there's just stuff everywhere. So... Mm -hmm. now I'm kind of like maybe I'll look up that story because I thought it was interesting like were they doing it on scaffolding I mean I don't know anyway (laughs) definitely worth taking a look at but then they kind of talk about another case called Stromberg Stromberg versus California and it's about somebody who hoisted a red flag during the red scare and so that's where the visual art clause of the first amendment
0: got some teeth right is Mm -hmm. that the best way you would say that. Right. That's when they determined that it wasn't just the spoken word protected by the First Amendment. It was any form of expression.
1: So this is kind of like your political viewpoints, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right. Um it conveyed a message without, yeah, words or whatever. So mm-hmm. in that case there was somebody like a nineteen year old girl arrested, and then I just assume she went away forever because they don't come back and tell me what happened. And I hate when people do that. I just want some resolution <laughs> for this stuff. Right.
0: Well, yeah. she was a young a young woman, so if she wasn't married, she mm-hmm. was use, useless to society. She probably went away right. to like an insane asylum or something.
1: Where they pulled all her teeth. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but this is really for people who are expressing unpopular opinions, is really what it's called out for this visual mm-hmm. expression amendment situation. Again, you kind of come back to what Hank's doing, and this junk law really doesn't cover what they're trying to do here, and yet... This is where we end up.
0: Mm -hmm. So they're they're defining junk as discarded items with little or no monetary value, right? And we can obviously say that one, some of them were discarded, but then they were reused. And they talk about that in a minute. But what I love is there's a neighbor of his. This is the woman that I want to be when I grow up, by the way. (laughs) She writes an entire play about Hank's tanks. And she's so dramatic. And I love everything about her. I agree. Think a dingo ate my baby.
1: (laughs) It is just, and they're out running around like rehearsing. Yes. And it's super funny. Yes. There's also other people in the town who have displays of metal works that are not, I mean, you could also consider junk, but they're not being targeted like Hank is. Right. So, I mean, there's, they do a really good job of saying, eh, townsfolk. I don't know mm-hmm. about all this. And then comes your art people into to like explain why this is art. And they're citing a movement called Dada, which I don't, I'm not familiar with. I, I don't know a lot about art. Clearly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dada to me, when they were explaining it, sounded extremely pretentious. Like it doesn't seem like it's supposed to be because they explained it as they took ordinary things and used it to create art. But then when they they have this vocal background saying Dada's meaningless like nature. Dada's for nature and against art. Art isn't serious. Dada wants nothing. And I'm like, just calm down already. (laughs) Just stop it. Right? They reference
1: Marcel Duchamp Mm -hmm. and he does something called Fountain, which is a urinal. So again, here's precedent for what he's doing. Our dear friend Hank. There's a guy named Professor Emeritus, which I thought okay, of course.
0: That's he, not his name, that's his that's his role, that's his title.
1: Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah. He is the fine art professor at Sunny Potsdam University, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. At first I thought he was shitting on this, but it's actually he's holding up. So he said the town isn't really big enough to enjoy what Hank is doing. And then he references the Cadillac ranch as an, a different example of folk art. So when that got started, that's a, these are the seven half buried Cadillacs on some guy's farm and they gain notoriety because it's just funky and weird and people liked it. So in this right. case, people don't like it yet, but in that case it kind of grew on people over time it's a weird installation of something been reused in that way, and it's just everywhere,
0: right? Yeah, I like how they refer to it as folk art. Yeah, I don't know, it just makes me happy. So, local artist number one, <laughs> yeah. It's certainly a good ruse to continue the project, she says, about calling it art. Like, it's not really art. She knows art, and this is not fucking art. So, just ask her.
1: Which is some shit an artist would say. I mean, like, (laughs)
0: you know,
1: is her name Karen? Because that's all I could think of the whole time.
0: Very well might be. So Hank decides to sue the city. And good for him. He's represented by John Crane. He shows up to the first meeting with him with a plunger gun. Come on. I just... (laughs) That's the tone, doesn't
1: it? I'm like, okay, things we do for the camera, they're not really helping you in this case. Like, just, can you just yeah. be cool? Just be cool. Get a different shirt. Mm-mm. Put on a tie. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Put on a tie with that shirt even. It's fine. They decide to sue for $7 million, which is based on previous precedent that's been set. So it's not some random number. And they cite the fact that no other properties on the village in the village have had issues with these ordinances. Right.
1: Even though under the ordinance, they should have, right? So they're not applying this law consistently, which has been the whole theme of this whole goddamn
0: show. Right. In late 2020, a U.S. district judge ruled that Robar's First Amendment complaint had merit and could proceed to trial. Mm -hmm. But before the case could go to trial, the village agrees to a settlement. Now, we don't know what that settlement entails. They can't talk about it. It's very hush-hush. But everyone seems very happy with it monetarily. But one thing that it did also state in the settlement that he had to keep up the toilet. So if he got a ticket mm-hmm. for one that was broken or disheveled, as it were, he had five days to mm-hmm. take care of it, which he seemed okay with as well. Right now that it's going in a different direction, he seemed fine with that.
1: Well, I think it's a compromise. I mean, if I were him, I would feel like that's a compromise because he's right. got a supply of toilets because
0: everyone is dropping their toilets yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs>
1: There was a guy who brought like a avocado green toilet or like a yellow toilet. And he's yellow. like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's the one right there. Are you doing those 70s mm-hmm. houses. So, yeah, I think it probably takes him some elbow grease to get this done. But he's willing to work with them. He does not seem to really bad an eye at that.
0: Mm -hmm. and it it, someone made a comment before I think it was our journalist friend Alex she said it's a lot of work right he has to maintain them he has Mm -hmm. to put in flowers he puts new ones out he makes sure that the grass is mowed around them Mm -hmm. it is a lot of work that he's putting into this especially when they're spread out all over town I can't imagine I don't even like doing my own yard Jeez.
1: so while they they have the no disclosure on this There is some thought that the settlement was at least $25,000 or more because they found some court documents that cite Mm -hmm. that.
0: The village of Possum refused interview requests throughout, even at the end. However, our friend Alex jacobs Wilkie had been recently voted onto the board. So she did speak with them, but she couldn't speak specifically about the case and most of the laws that had taken place prior to her joining the board. But she, I mean, I like that she's like, even though I'm on the board now, her opinion hasn't changed on how she feels. I mean, and she was kind of pro-toilet to begin with, so.
1: Yeah, it seems like there are a lot of people who are, they understand why he's trying to do it. It's not just the toilets in themselves out of context. (laughs) Right. The people who seem to understand the story look on Hank's actions more favorably is the way I understood it.
0: Right. But then you have Ted, who's like, oh, the people who agree with him are the ones who don't live here and don't have to deal with it. Well, it seems like a lot of people who live there are okay with it as well, so... Yeah, there's a lot of... He's not hurting anybody here.
1: He's just kind of working within the system to do a little protest action, which, you know...
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For him. And as long as he has the land, he's going to continue to put up the toilets. He said, if you have a toilet you need to get rid of, just drop it off at the multicolored garage. It's a bit of a drive for me, but I appreciate the thought. Right. Right. And all of the rights to his properties have been left to his kids. So who knows what will happen, whether they'll continue it, whether they'll tear it down. Who knows? I guess when I think of
1: toilet garden, though, I think of like the toilets are in groupings. They're all back to back and the bowls are facing out. I mean, it's just sort of they're out in a row. And I I would like to see somebody come along with a little bit different aesthetic and kind of Mm -hmm. make it a little bit more appealing. I think that that would be a little bit more fun.
0: Yeah, well, because it didn't start that way. Right. So there are some some properties, you could see them arranged in a very specific way. And that, and you're right, I did like the way that looked better than just kind of haphazardly sitting out there.
1: But it's a good example that they're evolving. And I think he's embracing it. And it's funny, because he was like, it's challenging my creativity now and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'll buy I'll <laughs> buy into this only so far.
0: What I would also like to see is if you planted real flowers, so you tend to put fake flowers, they're easier to take care of, right? And that's a lot of work. But but if you had like real flowers in there, that would be pretty.
1: hmm Yeah, I think you could definitely make it appealing rather than just mm-hmm. like I said, I think it was started off. He was just looking for anything to piss them off.
0: And so this was the right. winner. Right. I will say, kind of like I did at the beginning, this this is not my favorite documentary. It wasn't bad. It was just kind of ho-hum in my opinion. I think there was a lot of filler. I did appreciate very faint, very dramatic music at times when there was nothing dramatic going on. And I'm like, okay. But it could have been done in like 45 minutes. That would have made me happier.
1: This is a good representation of small town politics and how stupid it is. And people fixating on shit that if they had just left it alone, it wouldn't have been a big deal.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Are you happy with yourself now, Ted? Right. Hmm? This is what you did. 100%. (laughs) all right so what are we doing next week
1: so we're going to do daughters of the sexual revolution which is the untold story of the dallas cowboy cheerleaders which is a very long name released in 2018 we believe that we can find this on several different streaming services prime and hulu i've not personally taken it up but that's what the internet tells me so far
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's on the shorter side again at an hour and 18 minutes but this is the story of how the cheerleaders came about for the nfl games especially the cowboys cheerleaders who started the whole shebang and there was a lady that was running this and like getting a lot of shit for it and uh, tried to remote these girls i think it'll be a good a good women's story is sort of what the trailer tells me
0: yeah Yeah, and it looks like, you know, they're put out there as sex symbols, but they were really much more than that. And so it's Mm -hmm. she, the woman you were speaking of, tries to make sure people know that they were more than just nice legs. Eye candy. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I haven't seen it yet, so. Seems
1: like almost their success was really not welcomed. (laughs) So this is a lady that's going against the grain, which I always love those stories. I'm excited to watch it. Me too. Girl power. Girl power. So other than that, we'll ask you to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Go Doc Yourself. We'll take recommendations. We love a comment. It'd be great to hear from you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Thank you for joining us this week. I hope if you watched the documentary, you liked it. If not, I'm sorry. The next one should be better. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you at least appreciated the conversation. So anyway, until next week, guys. Laters. Bye.